Good morning, church. How are we doing? Doing well? Good. Whew. Uh, I don't know if Shelby mentioned it or not, but the nice-looking folks up there on stage with her, that's her family. Um, they're in town visiting. And Did you mention that? Okay, great. Yeah, I was not in the room. But uh, thank you so much. Um, it, isn't it good to know that God is sovereign over us? I mean, I just praise Him for that this morning. Um, if you have your Bible, we're going to be in various places this morning, um, but if you have your Bible, if you're one of those who, who brings their Bible, which I, I think is fantastic, I encourage that every week, um, and you want to turn somewhere, you can turn to John chapter 15. Um, but again, we're going to be in a lot of different places. Uh, we've been in this series, I didn't really intend on it to be a series, but it just kind of came to be that way, uh, but we've been in this series that I've been calling the power of the Word, and what we've been looking at is just that, the power of this Word, the Word of God. It's powerful. It's, it's, uh, two weeks ago, we looked at just how powerful it is. It, it's living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It divides soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. And the Bible says nothing, nothing in all of creation is hidden from His sight. Everything is laid bare before the One in whom we all have to give an account to. And so this Word is powerful enough to pierce through uh, soul and spirit bone and marrow, and so we, 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 if we approach this word as, as it's living, um, it's going to, it has the power to transform your life, and, and not only that, but it has the power to transform your, your marriage. It has the power to transform any relationship that you're in. It has the power to transform uh, this church. It has the power to transform the world, and, and if you'll just let it transform your life first, it can do far more than we could ever ask, think, or even imagine this word can do. That's how powerful it is. It's living. It's alive. It's not a dead word. It's a living word. And so that's what we looked at two weeks ago. Uh, last week, we looked at how each one of us could study this word. We looked at the power of studying God's word. And my hope and aim and prayer was uh, for all of us, every single person in this room or someone watching this later online, you have the ability to open up this Bible every single day on a Monday morning and see the beauty and the wonder and the majesty of our God as you read. You don't have to read this word. It doesn't have to be dull. It, it, when you read it, you can open it up. You can see in the pages of Scripture, our God is alive. He's living. And His majesty is seen all in the earth. We looked at, Lord, how, uh, O Lord, o, o Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. And we looked at how amazing God is. And, and you can actually see that for yourself as you read the Bible every day. And so I offered up just a few. There are far more than what I gave you a few uh, study tools that you can take home with you uh, that you can really, uh, we have more copies of this um, on the, just right outside of these doors, and you can use this as a study tool. As you open up your Bible, you can study the Word of God. You can have your cup of coffee or your tea or your Red Bull if you're, you know, a millennial or something or Gen Z and you want to drink Red Bull, that's fine. But you can study the Word of God in your everyday quiet time, as we often call it, with your cup of coffee, and you can see the beauty and the wonder of our God as you read on a Monday morning. And I think that's amazing. And so I hope that was helpful to you. Today we're going to end uh, our time looking at the power of the Word today by looking at the power of praying God's Word. The power of praying uh, God's Word. So, not on every seat, but I think on every other seat you saw a prayer request card. Now, what we do every single week is uh, we mention this prayer request card. And we ask, hey, if you have any prayer requests, fill this card out, drop it in the, the brown box on your way out. And... On a normal day, we get zero of these. On an average Sunday, we get zero of these. And every now and then, there's one of them in there. And, it, 
And believe me, I, before, as soon as I, I walk out of these doors, I look in that brown box. And, or before I leave on Sunday, I look in that brown box. And every now and then there's one of them. And, but, and on a rare occasion, there's more than one. But on an average Sunday, there are zero of these. And, and uh, the truth of the matter is we all need prayer. There's not a person in this room who doesn't need prayer. And so what I want to encourage you to do, you can do it right now. You can wait until the end of the, the service. If you have one of these cards, if there's one within reach, and I want to encourage you to fill this out. I just want to encourage you to fill it out and ask for prayer. I, I love to pray for our church, and, and I want to know specifically what you need prayer for. And so I want to encourage you, even if you're a guest and this is your first time here, I want to encourage you to fill this out and let us pray for you. Um, which that reminds me, uh, those of you who are guests, if this is your first time or your second time visiting us, I'm, I'm glad that you're here. My name's Nate, and I'm the minister here. And we're glad that you're worshiping with us today. And I would love to put a name to a face uh, directly after our service, just outside of these doors. I'll be there. Um, you know, I heard a pastor say one time that, uh, uh, why is it, and I want to quote him, why is it that we spend hours every week in the church devoted to the ministry of the word while we spend minutes every week in the church devoted to the ministry of prayer? I think we love to come to church and open up this word and hear someone teach it. We love to go to Sunday school and get our coffee, get our donut, and just, and just listen for someone to teach us the Bible. I think we love, a, love that. I don't think that's the problem. I don't think that's the problem at all. I think the problem in the, in, in the church is that we don't pray. I really and truly believe that the problem in the church today is we don't like to pray. And I understand why um, many of us, myself included, by the way, uh, I certainly don't fill out any of those cards. And so it's... I stand up here convicted uh, to talk about prayer. I think we would all say the same thing if I came up to every single person in this room. Even if you prayed a lot, you might say, uh, I just don't feel like I pray enough, or I don't pray as often or as much as I should. And, and I think one of the reasons that we don't ask for prayer, or maybe that we don't feel, we don't, a reason why we don't fill out one of these prayer request cards is, is we don't like asking for prayer. We don't like asking for prayer. And there could be a lot of reasons why that is. Um, I think a, a huge reason why we don't ask for prayer is pride. I think it's pride. I think pride is one of the major reasons why we don't ask each other for prayer. We've become so self-sufficient. Even as the church of the living God, we, we have become so self-sufficient. To ask for help is to admit that you need help. It's to admit that you need help. And to, to quote that pastor again in a sermon preached many years ago, he said, the greatest hindrance to the spread of the gospel is not the self-indulgent immorality of our culture, but it's the self-sufficient mentality of the church. Now, whether you agree with that is totally and entirely up to you, but only God can do the work of God. It is that simple. Only God can do the work of God. And so why do we think that we can do God's work without God? Why do we think that? That's essentially what we think when we don't spend time in prayer and ask for God's help to do God's work. And we can become so used to relying on ourselves uh, that we forget that God actually wants to help us. He wants to help us accomplish His will and His purposes in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, in this church, and in the world. God, God wants to help us. So we need to ask Him for His help. To not need prayer is to communicate that we don't need God. To not need prayer is to communicate that we don't need God, and, and I think pride is what keeps us from asking for prayer, and there could be far more things I could say about that, but I think another reason why we don't ask for prayer, or we just don't simply pray, is uh, we don't want to come off as weak. We don't want to come off as weak. Uh, we don't want to let our guard down. We don't want to let people know that we are desperate for help. We are desperate for prayer. We don't want to come off 
as weak. And if that's you, I want to remind you of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12. You know, Paul in this passage is talking about boasting. And if you know the Apostle Paul, he's the, the super apostle, the great evangelist, the great preacher and pastor and leader and, and church planner. And, and God really used the Apostle Paul in mighty ways. And so Paul had every reason to boast about his accomplishments. Uh, Paul was used by God in so, such profound ways. He, he, he talks about in this passage in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, I have knowledge of God. I have, God's given me revelations. I have every reason to boast. And he did that's what uh, we're uh, called to do. We're not called to do that. And so uh, instead of Paul boasting, he says, look, I refrain from boasting. I have, if you remember, Paul was a Pharisee before he ever came to Christ. He was raised to know the law of Moses. He was raised to know the scriptures and to teach it. And then he came to Christ. And, and so Paul had every reason to boast, but he says, I refrain from boasting. Why? And he says, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. Paul says, that's why I don't boast. And so he goes on, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You see, that moment that you think that it's in your own strength, or in your own power, or in your own might, or because of your own wisdom, or your own knowledge, or everything that you've gained, and all your money, as soon as you think it's you that's living the Christian life, then you need to be humbled. And you need to be brought to weakness. And as soon as you think because, you're, uh, 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 because of your Christian's superiority or, or because you've lived the Christian life a long time or because you've been given a title or a place of position in the church or outside in the world or you've gained a bunch of wealth or, or you've lived the Christian life for, for such a long time and you've studied this word and you know this word and you could recite more scriptures in this word than anybody else in the room. And so you should be given more power and more authority and more control and more influence. And as soon as you think that that's what you deserve, you need to be humbled. And you need to be brought to weakness because the Bible says it's in our weakness that our God's power will rest on us. And that is is why God gave Paul a thorn in his flesh. Reason number one, so that he wouldn't boast. So that he wouldn't boast. And reason number two, it was because of Paul's weakness that he relied on God's power and not his own. And the last thing that we want to do is to try and live the Christian life in our own strength in our own power, in our own might, in our own volition. It's the last thing that we want to do. And, and the less time that we spend asking God for His help, the more comfortable every single one of us will become in relying on ourselves. And we don't want to do that. We shouldn't have to and we don't have to rely on ourselves to live the Christian life. We're not meant to. The Christian faith is not an isolated faith. It's a family affair. We have the God of the universe in our corner. And we talked about this weeks ago, if you were here. The Holy Spirit indwells the believer. The the Spirit of the living God, the power of our God indwells you. You do not live the Christian life by yourself. And you were never meant to. And so, to be a Christian, knowing that you and I, we have access to the power source, the creator and sustainer of the universe, the one who set the starry host out into where it is and knows them all by name, the God of heaven and earth. 
we have access to him. We have access to his power. We have access to his power, and, and yet we, we, why don't we access that? Why don't we go to God in prayer and access his power? And it makes no sense. Yet many of us, we find ourselves in that position. We find ourselves in that position. And if I were to go around the room right now, I could ask everyone in this room, whether you pray a lot or whether you hardly pray at all. And I think we'd all get the same answer. I know I should pray more. And I, I'm right there with you. I know I need to pray more. And I know that I should pray more. And um, we might say I don't pray as much as I should. And, and that's why it's convicting to stand up here and to talk about prayer. Um, and another reason I think that we don't, we don't ask for prayer, we don't spend time uh, uh, in prayer, is that we think prayer is boring. We think prayer is boring, and where did that come from? I mean, it really, uh, if you compare, uh, we have Hulu and Netflix and, and uh, Amazon and, and Disney Plus and HBO Max and HBO Go and HBO Now and all the HBOs. We have everything we need to watch endless amounts of TV shows and binge shows and watch movies. and, and all. How, how can you, on a scale with that and prayer, I mean, obviously, that's going to, uh, uh, the scale is just, mm, it's not, it doesn't even matter. There's no match. If we think prayer is boring, why would we spend time praying when we could watch all the TV we want and we can scroll as much as we want and as long as we want on our, on our phones and on our devices? Why would we spend more time in prayer than anything else if prayer is so boring? I think that's why many of us don't pray. It's because we think prayer is boring. We think prayer is boring. And, and uh, TV, TV also, or movies, they give us instant gratification. That's what we live in a culture and a society. We want instant gratification. And TV will do that for you. Because if you're watching it on Hulu or Netflix or all those things, you don't have to wait a week uh, to see what happened. You just click on the next episode. In fact, there's a timer, and when that episode ends, in just a few minutes or a few seconds, even the next episode comes. You don't even have to wait a week. Does anybody remember watching Lost back in the day before Hulu and all that stuff existed? It was the worst thing. It was the greatest show, I thought, at the time. But they had the most intense cliffhangers I had ever seen in, in a TV show. But you don't even have to, do, don't have to wait anymore. You can just immediately, instant gratification, and that's what we want. I think sometimes we don't pray because, number one, we think it's boring. Number two, God's not answering our prayers. And I've said this before. You know, it's important that we write down our prayers because we might pray something, and we would never even know or realize or be aware that God answered our prayer because we never wrote it down. And so I encouraged uh, uh, us, myself included, to write our prayers down. And I had a lady. I used to clean her pool, clean pools for and this lady loved Jesus. She would come out as I was cleaning her pool, and she would ask me, how can I pray for you? And she would write it down. And I would see all the prayers in her notebook, and, and she would cross them out when God answered her prayers. And, and I just think, man, what better way to glorify our God and to praise his name when we see that he is faithful and he answers our prayers. But if you're not writing down those prayers, and you may not know if God even answered your prayers. And so we're, we live in a time where we just want instant gratification and I pray, and I pray, and I ask God, but he doesn't answer me. And uh, my question is, would you know if he did answer you? Would you know if he did? And so I think another reason why we don't ask for prayer or we don't pray is uh, we don't know how to pray. We don't know how to pray. Now, you might be thinking, well, I've been a Christian for a very long time. How dare you say that I don't know how to pray? But I think even seasoned Christians don't properly or, or may not quite know how to pray. And I think that's what keeps us from praying is we just feel like we don't know how to pray. We just feel like we don't know how to pray. And I think that's a legitimate uh, reason. Now, have you ever thought to yourself, maybe you have, I, I certainly have, my prayers seem like they're the same all the time. My prayers always sound the same. Have you ever heard anybody pray, and they always pray the same things for the same people? It's just the redundancy of, 
prayers. And if you think about uh, going back to Jesus' day and, and Jewish culture, they were taught, the Jews, whether they were training to be a religious leader or not, they were taught to memorize certain prayers and to recite the book of Psalms. They had different prayers on different days, and they prayed different prayers for different situations. And so this isn't anything new that we, you know, we, we pray the same prayers. You know what this reminded me of? The redundancy of prayer, praying the same thing over and over again, reminded me of, and maybe parents, you remember this as well. Uh, so to the parents, whether your children are adults now and they're moving out of the home or not, do you remember when your kids went to school, what was the first thing you asked them when they came home? How was your day? How was school? And what did they say? I can tell you what I said every single time. Good. Not it was good. Not it was a great day. It was just good. One word, good. How was school today? Good. And it got to the point where my parents would ask me that question, and they would just automatically answer it at the same time. How was school? Good? It was just the redundancy of it. It was just, you know, good, good. You know, I'm talking from elementary school on to high school as a senior. How was school? Good. How was school? Good. Just the redundancy of it. You knew what I was going to say before I even had to say anything. And so redundancy can become predictable, and I don't want that for us. I don't want our prayers to just be predictable, uh, our prayer life to be redundant and predictable. God has so much more for us as his people, as his children. If we just, if we just open up this word, the Bible, the living word, it's alive, knowing that it's alive and living, our prayers would be far more than just redundant and predictable. If we would just soak this word in. We looked at that acrostic maps a couple of weeks ago. Uh, meditate and memorize. Hide this word in our hearts. Meditate on it day and night. If we did that, God's word would be in us and we couldn't help but pray it back to him. If we would just do that. And so redundancy isn't, by the way, just uh, saying the same words all the time. It can also be the exact same kinds of prayers. And, and uh, for example... Does, do, do we know why we pray for our food? Maybe it's because you grew up and your parents prayed over their meal. Is that, why you, is that only the reason why you pray over your food? Because you were taught to pray over your food. Think about that. Um, I'm certainly, if you're, um, and my, uh, I, I know someone who would pray the exact same prayer over every single meal. God bless our food for the nourishments, to the nourishments of our body. Amen. Now that may be good and fine if you're eating a grilled chicken and some broccoli and a salad. Bless this food, oh God, to the nourishments of our bodies. But if you walk in here and you're eating a couple of donuts and maybe a third donut, and how can, you know, I can see you want, food is good, we need food to sustain us, but some foods just aren't very nutritious, okay? And so, do we even know why we pray over our meal? And I, that's a sermon for another day, perhaps, but it's good to know why we pray what we're praying for or, or why we're praying. And so, when Jesus prayed, okay, now let's get to Jesus, when Jesus prayed, his disciples, those who were close to him, they were in awe of what he was saying. They were in awe of how Jesus prayed. And so what did they ask Jesus? Hey, will you teach us how to pray? Not, Jesus, we saw you walked on water. I've never seen anybody walk on water. Will you teach me how to walk on water, Jesus? That's what I would have asked him. Jesus, I've never seen a dead man come back to life. Will you teach me how to do that? But no, they were in awe of Jesus as he prayed. Jesus was a man of prayer. He was a man of early in the morning, he prayed. Late into the evening, he prayed. He was, he was spending ample time with his Father in heaven praying, and his disciples noticed that, and they saw that, and they were in awe of it. And so they said, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? And I love what Jesus does here. First, he says here, let me just first tell you how not to pray, okay? And then he says, 
Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, one thing you cannot miss if you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is you, you cannot miss Jesus refers to God as, as his Father. You can't miss it. This was radical to a lot of people. Jesus is claiming that God is his Father. And so numerous, numerous times Jesus refers to God as his Father. And the disciples come up to Jesus and say, Jesus, will you t- teach us how to pray? And what does he say? Our Father in heaven. You see what Jesus is doing there? He's inviting us in on this intimate, loving, close relationship with the living God. And when you pray to God, you know that he's your father. You can cry out to him, Abba, Father. How amazing is that? When you come to Christ by faith, God is your father. The last thing that we want to do is just have dull, redundant, and predictable prayers when we're talking to our dad in heaven. Some of you may have come in here and you didn't have a great relationship with your earthly dad, but you have a perfect father who is in heaven who's never made one mistake. And the Bible says before the foundation of the world, he already knew you by your name. And we looked last week in Psalm 8, and this same God, our father, he has knitted us in the womb, formed us in our mother's womb. Before he ever spoke the cosmos into existence, he knew you by your name. He knows you better than anybody. When you come to God, your Father, in prayer, He already knows what you need before you ask Him. He knows your heart. He knows your hurts. He knows your habits, your your hang-ups. He knows where you struggle. He knows where you're desperate. He, He knows the people in which you love and want to see come to know Christ. He knows all of that. So when you go, whenever you spend time in prayer, know that you're praying to your Father in heaven. This isn't just Jesus' Father. This is your Father in heaven. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, dying for the sins of the world, shedding his blood for our eternal salvation, we can have a relationship with the living God. So we don't pray to some God who's up in the heavenlies. This isn't some esoteric, ethereal type thing. This is our Father in heaven. And so when you talk to God, know that you're talking to your dad. I think that's amazing. And so I just want to, for the rest of our time together, I just want to show us some practical ways how we can pray God's word in our lives, for your life, how you can pray the Bible for your life, for your, in your marriage, for your kids, for your family, for this church, for the world, neighbors, for your friends, for your relatives, how you can pray the Bible for your own life. And, and I just want to show some practical ways, and the way I want to do that is I just want to show you how I do it in my own life. And, and I hope it can be encouraging to you and, and helpful to you, and there's many other ways to do it, but I want to direct our attention now to John 15, verse 7. And if you've been coming to our church, you're going to memorize or uh, find these, these ver- or this verse familiar. Jesus says this, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, that ask whatever you wish part, that has to have you intrigued. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Are you not intrigued by that? I'm a little intrigued by that. Ask Whatever I wish and he'll do it? Are, are we not intrigued by that? Because that, that seems too good to be true. It seems too good to be true. And it is actually too good to be true, depending on whose will you're wanting to accomplish. If you're wanting to accomplish your own will, that's way too good to be true. But if you are wanting to accomplish God's will and his purposes in your life and in the world, it's not too good to be true. Jesus says, if you abide in him and his words... His words abide in you. The Christian life is, is about accomplishing God's will. It's about accomplishing God's purposes. We're here to, to glorify Him, right? 
A.W. Tozer said, I shared last week, the chief end goal of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. You will enjoy him forever, for eternity. 10,000 years from now, you will be enjoying God. But on this earth, you can enjoy God. And our calling as Christians in the church of the living God is to glorify him, to accomplish his will and his purposes in the world. So the Christian life is not about accomplishing our own will. It's about accomplishing his will. And so when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Oh, great and awesome God, sovereign Lord of the universe. Uh, you want to start uh, off with prayer? Just praise God for all that he is and, 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 and all that he's done. He is literally the maker of heavens and, and the earth. We saw last week in Psalm 8, he set out the starry host one by one, and he knows them each by name. You don't maybe know them by name. NASA's maybe given them names. Our God, before the foundation of the world, already knew their names. And those stars and the moon and, and all of that the stuff that's unfathomable to me in outer space, God put those where they are. He knows them by name. What a great and awesome God. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, creator and sustainer of all things, sovereign Lord of the universe. That's who you're praying to, but at the same time, He's your Father. He's your Father. Hallowed be your name, O God. And then, what's the next part of that? May your kingdom come, and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May your kingdom come. We're not living for our own. We're not building our own kingdoms here. It's all about His kingdom. May your kingdom come on this earth in my family, in my neighborhood, in this church, in the world. May your kingdom come and your will be done on this earth as it's being done in heaven. It's all about Him. It's His kingdom. And we're here to, to make light of His kingdom and to glorify Him. That's why we're here. It's all about what God wants. It's all, it's all about how we can accomplish His will. And, and by His grace, He has called us and set us apart um, and has chosen us to play a part in that. And the more we let the Word of Christ in, uh, abide in us, or we let the Word of Christ, Colossians 3, indwell us, the more we will actually pray what God wants, and the more we will pray according to God's will. Remember last year we did a series on extreme prayer? A guy by the name of Greg Pruitt, he's the president of Bible, uh, Pioneer Bible Translators, he wrote that book, Extreme Prayer. The whole point of that book is based off this. God promises to answer prayers in Jesus' name. God promises to answer prayers in Jesus' name. That's the whole point of that book. That God, i.e., God promises to answer prayers according to God's will. And so it's not so much too good to be true when Jesus says, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Because what he's saying is ask whatever you wish for the glory of my great name and I'll make it sure it's done. may not even be in your lifetime. It ain't going to be on your timetable. It'll be according to his timing, for his purposes, and his own glory. And so I believe that there is a connection here with John 15, verse 7, when it comes to Jesus says, abide in me and let my words abide in you. It says everything to do with that acrostic maps. We meditate on this word. We memorize this word. We hide it in our hearts. If, if this word is our delight, we meditate on it day and night. We write it on the doorposts in our homes, Deuteronomy 6. If we let this word dictate all of our lives and how we parent, how we instruct our kids, and so much more, if we let this word indwell us, I think John 15, 7 has everything to do with letting this word indwell us, meditating on it, knowing it, praying it. And then when it comes to John 15 and 7, 
with prayer. Specifically, what he's saying is answered prayer. There will be answered prayers when we pray according to his will. So if we let the word of Christ indwell us, it's going to be hard not to, not to not, not only live the word out in our lives, but to pray this word out in our lives and in our relationship with Jesus. And so in an effort to show you how this can look in your life, I just want to show you how I do it in my own life. And so when we're talking about the Bible and we're studying it and we're praying it and we're opening it up, and, and you know, if you're new here and you don't have a Bible reading plan currently, um, we have a hard copy of our Bible reading plan just outside of these doors. It's got the whole, it's the New Testament and the Psalms and Proverbs. That's all we're reading through uh, this year in 2021. It's important to know that when you open the Bible, this this is a a chest of endless treasures. The psalmist says, uh, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. This is a a book of endless treasures. Endless treasures. And so uh, God wants to speak to us. The, the, The God who created you, he wants to speak into your life. And he speaks to us primarily through his word. And the Holy Spirit brings it to life and it illuminates it, and God uses this word more than you can ever ask, think, or imagine for your life as a follower of his. And so the word of God, the Bible, has everything that we need to live the Christian life. The word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, Psalm 119, 105. A good place to start when it comes to praying the Bible is Psalm 119. Now, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses, I think. Um, I'm not encouraging you to go home um, and read the whole uh, Psalm 119. Um, but what's interesting about Psalm 119 is almost every other verse is a reference to the Bible. You're going to see different words, you know, decrees, statutes, testimonies, uh, word, uh, law. All of that is really a reference to the Bible or the word uh, in and of itself. It's all about the word, Psalm 119. Every other verse, there is a reference to the word of God. And so I want to show you what I do before I open my Bible or as I open my Bible. You want to talk about praying the word of God. When you open up your Bible... And I, I use note cards, okay? So I write verses on note cards. I put names for those verses, and I pray for those people, and I pray these verses over those people. I also just put verses. And so back to Psalm 119, I love to pray a few verses before I read the Bible. Psalm 119, verse 18. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. And so God, uh, give me spiritual eyes to see all of the, the wonderful things that are found in your word. I want to see them, Lord. He wants you to see them. He wants you to experience all the good things that he has in store, all the treasure that's here in the Bible. He wants you to see them. God, give me spiritual eyes that I might see wonderful things in your word. Show me, Lord, what you want me to see. Easy prayer. Easy prayer. Teach me your decrees. Let me understand the teaching of your precepts. We talked about last week how I said, you're going to read the Bible. You're not going to to, uh, know everything uh, you're not going to know what it all means. And I, I said, don't let that discourage you. If you come across a, a verse or a passage and you don't know what it means, just keep reading. But I do want to encourage you, before you read, let me understand the teaching of your precepts. God, give me understanding. Give me supernatural wisdom and understanding that I might know what it is that you're telling me. That I might know what it is that you're instructing me to do. God, let me see how it is that you want me to live and how I can obey your commands. Uh, and what does he say after that? Then I will meditate on your wonders. You know what you're reading in the Bible. You're going to want to meditate on this. You're going to want to meditate on it. And so give me understanding and I will keep your law and obey it with all my heart. You want to walk in God's ways and obey his commands? Ask him to give you understanding. 
If he gives you understanding, he's going he's to push you in the direction of obedience. If you remember, uh, when we looked at John 15, we did a series on that, short series. Uh, Jesus kept saying, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And now remember, our, it's our love for Jesus that leads us to obedience to Jesus. It's not the other way around. It's not obedience leads to love. It's love that, that leads us to obedience. And Jesus says in, in John 15, 11, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Our obedience to God leads us to joy in God. How many of you came in here wanting joy in your life? Well, can I just tell you, walk in the ways of God. Obey His Word. Walk in His commands. The, the, the Bible's not just a, a bunch of rules. God in His Word is saying, Jesus is saying, if you want joy in your life and purpose and meaning, walk in my ways. Obey my commands. They're not a burden. They will lead you to joy. A joy that can be sustaining in a hardship or a trial. And in Psalm 119.35, I mean, this was said before Jesus said it himself. Direct me in the path of your commands. Why? For there I find delight. You want to pray the word of God before you read the word of God? Oh God, direct me. Direct me. Direct me in your word as I read it. I want to obey your commands. And sometimes I just struggle to walk in your ways, God. Would you direct me? Would you give me understanding so that I can obey you? That's not cowardly to pray that. That's mature. Let your guard down. God, nothing in all creation is hidden from His sight. He already knows you as you approach the Word. Just be honest and transparent to the God who already knows you. Direct me, Lord. I'm having a hard time obeying Your Word. Direct me and help me and give me understanding. Humble yourself and He will exalt you. And I think it's important to be reminded just how selfish we can become as, as, as Christians. And so I have this verse, even myself. So I have this verse that I read, turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. And I, and I read that and pray that from time to time because I can be so selfish, so self-centered. And why not pray to the God who um, wants the exact opposite for me? Lord, help me to be a selfless follower of Jesus Christ, not a selfish one. Lead me and turn me toward, turn my heart towards your word and away from selfish gain. I want to honor you and please you and walk with you and be a light for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So turn my heart towards you and your word and your ways and away from selfish gain. It is not hard to pray the word of God. And so don't let the enemy, the devil, deceive you into thinking you're all high and mighty. The Word will convict you. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing. We need to be put in our place sometimes. We have a Father who's perfect and He disciplines His children. We've talked about that. And sometimes we need to be disciplined. And sometimes we, we waver from the path that He has set for us. And so we need Him to help us to, to get back on that path. And He's a gracious God, a perfect God, a loving God. He wants good things for His children. You can't hide anything from your Father. and You don't have to. You don't have to hide anything from Him. He loves you already. He sent His Son to die on the cross for your sins. He shed His blood for your eternal salvation. He loves you that much that He gave Himself up for you. He didn't carry your sins in a bag towards Calvary. He became your sin. He became your sin. You want to know how much Jesus loves you? He became your sin. And who more than Jesus, the one who died for you so that you could live and have eternal life, wants you to live for Him. He wants to help us. And so... Uh, 
someone who wants to honor God, not just as a minister, but as a follower of Jesus Christ. I, I pray verses like this, Romans 12, 17, do not, repay evil, uh, do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. We live in a very divisive time right now, lots of division. And any one of us can be startled and thrown off and, and out in public. God, help me to do right in the eyes of everyone. Not, not to, 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 so people will look at me and see how good Nate is, but that they might look at me and see you. Help me, Lord, to do right in the eyes of everyone. And that leads me to pray Colossians 4, verses 5 and 6. Paul says, be wise in the way you act towards others. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. Everywhere you go in your life is an opportunity to shine your light. Everywhere you go. You go to grandma's house for Thanksgiving, opportunity to shine your light. Do you have any relatives or family members who aren't walking with Jesus? They care nothing about Jesus. Opportunity for you to shine your light or your life. God, help my words, the words that come out of my mouth. Let them be full of grace, seasoned with salt. Give me wisdom, Lord, as I speak to friends and family members and neighbors when I'm out there in the world. You can come in here and be as righteous as anything. Um, but when you go out there in the big bad world where there's an enemy waiting to steal, kill, and destroy all that you're working for. You can be caught off guard. God, give me, let, let my words be full of grace, always seasoned with salt. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds, they may see your good words, and, and our Father in heaven will be glorified. That's why we're here. Glorify God. He's going to answer that prayer. I guarantee you that. God, help me to live wisely. Help me to be... Uh, uh, slow to speak, slow to anger, quick to listen. I don't always have to be right. You don't always have to be right. Just be slow to speak, quick to listen. God is glorified. And, and he'll, he'll answer these prayers. And as Paul says in Colossians 3, let the word of Christ indwell you. And you can do that by meditating on it, memorizing it, hiding it in your heart, praying it back, living in this word, not as a rule, not as a thing, not as a job, not as a duty, but to know that there is life found in this word. Another prayer I pray, and we're almost done here, is if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I mean, we talk about a divisive time in our nation. We talk about division, not in the world, not in our nation, not with race, not just with politics, but in the church. God, as far as it depends on me, let me live and be at peace with everyone. You pray that prayer and watch how God moves. Let me be at peace with everyone. And then I pray for our leadership here at the church. I pray for myself, Selah. I pray for our elders. I pray for our deacons. Uh, live in harmony with one another. God, help us to live in harmony with one another. Uh, I don't want to be, ever become proud, God. Keep me humble. I'm here to serve you. I'm a servant of Christ. I'm a slave to Jesus. Help me to, to see that and be mindful of that and be aware of that. Help us as leaders to remain humble and to live in harmony with one another and to love one another well. Uh, do you pray for your elders? Do you pray for me? Do you pray for the leaders of God's church, the shepherds of the flock? Do you, do you pray for us? Ephesians 4, 2, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. And I pray that for us. I pray that with me and our elders. God, let us be humble and gentle towards one another and patient with one another, bearing with one another in love. If there's not unity in the leadership of any church, it's unlikely that there's going to be unity in the body of Christ. Any local church across the board. Do you pray for us? You pray for me. Do you pray for our elders? Do you pray for our deacons? I want to encourage you to do that. Make every effort, Paul says in Ephesians 4, verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Oh God, would you help us to do that? 
you help us to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. May the peace of Christ wash over us and be with us and live inside of us that all that can flow out is unity in the Spirit through the bond of peace. Mm. You can pray this word. It'll make you emotional. It'll bring you to tears because it'll convict you, but it'll also just give you joy. It'll just give you joy. And God will do abundantly more than you can ever ask, think, or imagine if you just follow Him. If you just follow Him. So help us, Lord, to do that, just to, to follow Him. And, and so how often do you pray for your elders? often do you pray for me? Um, and I want to, Selah, our family, youth and family, how often do you pray for her? Pray for us. Covet your prayers. Pray for, pray for us through the scriptures. And then I pray for my wife, and, and my wife is pregnant. I pray for her. God, would you, would you just sustain that baby? Let, God, give us wisdom to know that we need to feed that baby. That baby needs protein to bring to our attention that that baby needs protein. And God, I pray, even at 14 weeks, that this baby, this child that would be raised up to know you, the living God, that they would care about the gospel. And without my wife's permission, whether this is a boy or a girl, I'm praying that this baby wants to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. And, of course, I don't have my wife's permission for that, but, but I'm praying the word of God. I want to make disciples in my own household. And as a parent, you are called to make disciples in your own household, to raise up your children to know this God. Write the word on your doorpost and put, put scriptures all over your wall and let people come to your house and think you're weird, but you belong to the living God. You're a child of the Most High King and Lord of the universe. And uh, don't worry about what people think. And then if you're having a hard time, and I guarantee you people are in this room right now walking through a difficult season, the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them, Psalm 34. He delivers them from all their troubles. You are a child of God. And if you're walking through a difficult season, the Bible says cry out to Him. Remember, this is Abba, your father, your daddy in heaven. You're walking through a hard time. You cry out to the God who hears you. Because when you pray in a world with 7 billion people, your prayers enter into the throne room of God and His ears are attentive to what you're saying. Don't worry about the clutter. Don't worry about politics. Don't worry about the world. Don't worry about vaccines and all this mess and all this fight and all this divisiveness. When you pray... God hears you. And that's pretty amazing. So if you're walking through a difficult time, the Bible is telling us to cry out because the Lord, that we just sang about this, the sovereign Lord, who's sovereign over us, He hears your cries for help. The Lord is close. Shelby said that. He's never far away. He's close. He's close to you. He's close to us. You may drift from Him. He will not drift from you. He's close. The Lord is close, verse 18, to the brokenhearted. Are you hurting? Is your heart hurting? Are you, are you spiritually hurting? Because the Bible says that He is close to the brokenhearted and He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Are you crushed in spirit? You have a Savior and His name is Jesus Christ. You have a Savior and His name is Jesus Christ. And so, I have scriptures, and I'll wrap up here pretty soon, uh, real soon. I have scriptures that I pray for evangelism. I pray for people in McKinney that I've never met and may never meet. Uh, Jeremiah 24, 7, I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord, the sovereign Lord, and they shall be my people and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. You have adult children that are walking away from the Lord right now. They're, not, they're, they're living in rebellion. They're not following the Lord. Do you have adult children? Pray that prayer in Jeremiah 24, 7. God, I pray that my son or my daughter would return to you with their whole heart. Watch God move. 
people across this city that I'll never meet, I'm praying that, that God would, would turn people towards Him. That they would be His people and He would be their God. And I pray for anyone who's walked away from You, Lord. Return them to You with their whole heart. Um, and what about prayers for the Gospel changing and transforming the world and, and lives? And, and do You pray for that? And, and we've talked about how on this, on this reading plan, you can scan this QR code and it'll pull up the Unreached People Group app for the unreached people group of the day. And, you know, if someone were to ask you, hey, what did you do yesterday morning on a Saturday morning? Well, you know, I was, I was reading my Bible reading plan, and in Matthew 9, I read these words, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out more workers into the harvest field. And it's so crazy because, because I have the Joshua Project app on my phone, I know that there are three, three billion people on the planet who have never heard the name of Jesus Christ, and they don't have the word of God translated into their native tongue. And so when I read this verse, I know it still applies today. The harvest is still plentiful. And clearly more people need to go and take the gospel to the ends of the earth. So you want to know what I did on a Saturday morning? I prayed to the God who hears me that he would raise up and equip more men and women to go and take the gospel to the ends of the earth. That churches would be planted. That scripture would be translated. That more would know the good news of Jesus Christ. What would you do yesterday morning? Oh, I watched cartoons with my kids. <laughs> you know you can be a world changer, right? You don't have to be the one that goes to, you know, Nowheresville, Africa, or wherever. You don't have to. And by the way, it's not Nowheresville, Africa, or anywhere. It's a place with people. But you can be a world changer in your own home. As you, as you, as you drink your coffee and open up your Bible, you can be a world changer. Because you pray to a God who hears. And so, and then again, um, and lastly, Mark 1, verse 15. As soon as you open up the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark, Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the Gospel. How many people do you know in your uh, sphere of influence who, who don't believe the Gospel, who aren't walking with Jesus? They're not saved. God, I pray that you would lead them into repentance and that they would believe in the Gospel. That's not a hard prayer to pray. God, please just lead people into repentance of sin and that they would trust you with their lives and that they would believe in the good news that you have come to save from sin. Yeshua, the Lord saves. And so my point in all of this, really, is that prayer should never be boring. And I have a, a, a thing up here, an acrostic, maps. You know, meditate. This is just an easy way to apply your own Bible reading. Meditate and memorize. Let the word soak in. Apply, apply, application. How can we apply it to our lives? Pray the word. There you go. And then share it. What do you... Learning, share it. And so here's my application for everybody, and I'll close with this. Maybe you, you start writing, the worship team can come up here. Maybe you start writing verses on note cards, and you, you tuck them into your Bible, and you have different note cards for different days, or, or if you have to get up really early and get to work early, and I know I've been there, um, maybe you listen to the Bible while you drive, and maybe you keep a couple of these note cards in your, uh, in your, in your car, and you just... You just pray these scriptures over people in your life as you're driving to work. Because God will listen to your prayers whether you're driving to work or whether you're on your couch. It makes no difference. And so Jesus says, abide in me and my words abide in you and ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. If you remember the word abide, we looked at that. And it was about being with Jesus. It was about spending time with Jesus. If, if Jesus is telling us to abide in him, what should we do? Spend time with him. Learn from him. Grow in him. Open up his word and let the word of Christ dwell within us. And he says, if you will do that, if you will spend time with me, 
and let my words dwell within you. Ask me whatever it is that's on your heart for my own glory, and I'll do it. I'll do it. How many of you have people have broken promises in your life? God doesn't break promises. Okay, he's perfect. Just cry out to him. Spend time in prayer. Trust him and believe him. And it'll change your life. And it'll change your family's lives, your kids' lives. It'll change this city. And it'll change the world. Be a world changer. Be a man or a woman of prayer. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the word of God. Thank you that it leads us into action. It gives us what to pray for. We're not alone. Your, your word, it, it, it's living. Heaven and earth will pass away. Your words will never pass away is what you say and promise to us. And so God, may we be a people that are comfortable with this word, that we know this word. We meditate on it. We memorize it. We hide it in our hearts. We, God, help us to let the word of Christ indwell us. Through the, holy, through the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, God, help us to meditate and memorize on this word. Help us to apply it to our lives. Help, it to pr- help us to pray this word on behalf of ourselves, our families, this city, and the world. And help us to share this word. This word pierces through hearts. It changes lives. And God, may we be a people that pray. I ask and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and worship together.